Welcome to the e-commerce podcast with me, your host, Matt Edmondson. And the e-commerce podcast is all about helping you deliver e-commerce well. And this week, to help us do just that, I am chatting uh, with Oliver Edholm from Depict AI about how AI is changing shopping product recommendations. That's right, we are talking about all things AI. Why it's such a big deal, why you want to get involved in it. You're not going to want to miss it. But before we jump into that, let me suggest a few other e-commerce podcast episodes to listen to that I think you will enjoy. Oh, yes. The first one uh, is my conversation with Shanif Dani about why you should be using AI in your e-commerce business. Another AI conversation. Uh, and also check out my conversation with Tim Jordan about how to choose a winning product every time quite quickly becoming one of our most popular episodes. So do check it out and you'll find out why. And you can find them on our website for free at ecommercepodcast.net. Now, this episode is brought to you by the Fantabulous e-commerce cohort, which is going to help you deliver e-commerce well to your customers in very real and practical ways. If you are regular to the show, you will know for the past few weeks, we have been waxing lyrical about the e-commerce cohort. Uh, and there are many, many reasons as to why. Uh, if you're not sure what it is, it's like a... The best way to describe it is like an online mastermind group. It's a membership group, basically, all to do with e-commerce, where you and a whole bunch of other folks uh, are going to build your e-commerce business, going to learn what it takes, you're going to get some expert coaching, but fundamentally, you guys do the work. So it's not just like an online course that you sit, watch the first half of, and then never do anything with, because... Well, they just don't work anymore, do they? So it's very lightweight. Uh, you can dip in, dip out. It's not going to be too onerous on your schedule. But let me tell you, if you get in there on a regular basis, it's going to help you grow your e-commerce business like nothing else. So if, like me, you're a well-established e-commerce, or even if you're just starting out, if you're doing a startup, you're going to want to check it out. S strongly recommend that you do. Honestly, it's going to be great for your online business. You can find more information at ecommercecohort.com. Uh, do check it out. Uh, or you can email me directly if you've got any questions and I will try my level best to answer them for you. Uh, you can reach me at matt at ecommercepodcast.net. That's my email. Yes, it is. Or like I say, ecommercecohort.com is the website. Do check them out. Now, without further ado, because you're not going to want to miss it. No, no, no. Here is my conversation with the incredible Oliver. Check it out. Well, I am here with Oliver, a 50, well, he's not 15 now, but when he was 15, he dropped out of high school. Uh, I'm not quite sure what his parents would have made of that, actually. Maybe one day we should ask them. Uh, but at 16, he, well, he seems to have done all right for himself. He moved across the world and hustled his way into a machine learning research position at the National University of Singapore. Oh, yes. Uh, 17. How many of you did that when you were 16? Just raise your hands, please. Uh, at 17, he founded Depict, uh, which he basically wanted to revolutionize the way we discover products online. At 18, his company was valued at $15 million. And now at 19, he leads a team of 35 employees at one of the most cutting edge uh, e-commerce startups in Europe. And it is all about 
AI. It is all about shop recommendations. It's all about that good stuff. And I'm honestly, uh, Oliver, welcome to the show. It's so great to have you here. You are by far the youngest person uh, we've had as a guest on the show, as I'm sure you every podcast you have been on, you will be the youngest person. So I'm really keen to talk to you, actually, uh, because I, I have Thank to you. tell you the truth. At 16, I was not hustling my way into machine learning programs at the University of Singapore. How did that come about? Yeah, uh, thank you for the introduction. So I'll, I guess I'll rewind a little bit from there. Um, so I've always been this kind of person who likes technical things, computers, okay. uh, computer games, all those things. And uh, when I was relatively young, or even younger, I played a lot of Minecraft, uh, the computer game. Mm -hmm. and. It turns out that if you get bored with Minecraft, they've been clever and found a great way to make kids start programming by you being able to change the programming code behind the game okay. and make modifications to it. Mm -hmm. So that's actually how I got into coding. And mm -hmm. from there, you kind of realize more and more that the adult world is uh, more tangible than you thought. Uh, okay, programming, you can do more than just change the game of Minecraft mm. through programming. You can create smartphone apps. And, you know, as a, like a 12 year old, it sounds very abstract. Like, okay, you open this app and it, adults do stuff. And no, I could make my own smartphone app and wow. people pay for it. And then you get this, I guess, high and it kind of just spirals from there so uh, when i was in middle school around 13 14 years old i came across a book called super intelligence by mm -hmm. a professor at oxford called nick bostrom and uh, I, I see that book as kind of a pivotal moment for me since in that book he lays out the arguments of why artificial intelligence and its development, which is just exponentially growing year after year, could be the most or will be probably the most impactful thing ever for humanity. Mm. Uh, imagine if, what, what, what would happen if we created Einstein, but a thousand times smarter, you know, mm. <laughs> that kind of thing. And, as a kind of tech interested person, I thought, well, if you're going to have a meaning in life and all of that, I was very much looking for a meaning in life. You mm -hmm. know, when you just enter the teenage years, you, yeah, yeah. you get into that crisis thing. And uh, then, yeah, that, that's probably a good meaning, kind of ensuring that AI and its development happens in the best possible way. Since we all know technology is a double-edged sword and uh, it can go horribly wrong as well. So mm. probably you should want, want to be a part of it at least. And uh, from there, I just went all in on trying to learn as much as possible around artificial intelligence and machine learning. Um, and I skipped lectures in school already then. So I was very mm. all in one point that on that and then um yeah and then 
through just building things. I never kind of went all in on the academic route necessarily. I was building things constantly. Mm -hmm. So I happened to want to build something which I thought useful would be useful for myself. And then through using the technology, I learned more and more. Mm -hmm. And through that, uh, when high school was approaching, I got in touch through these projects and being able to show what I could do at a young age. I got in touch with Klarna uh, when I was 15 and they were very welcoming in some sense and let me do like a summer internship in their AI research team there. Then I guess they got impressed like, oh, he does things fast and he knows much more than his age. So I, I got to stay there after mm -hmm. this. And then from there, <laughs> You know, that's kind of where the seed for the picked started to come about. Also, that's sure. where it started having one foot in e-commerce, having one foot in artificial intelligence. And, um, yeah, that from there, that's how kind of, since I was working on things I loved and like, I saw myself doing in the future either way, that's how I came to the decision of dropping out of high school. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I didn't really enjoy it as well, uh, the process of learning in the Swedish school system. Sure. And, uh, and then uh, had like an adventurous streak uh, going to Singapore, as you mentioned, uh, where that was where I, was, I had uh, some ideas on what I wanted to build to kind of have positive impact on the world. Mm -hmm. through machine learning and AI, uh, that wasn't the pick related. Uh, so this is like a sidetrack of the story, but it wasn't the pick related. It was a app for helping blind and vision impaired people browse websites in a much more accessible manner since, you know, they can't see the website, sure. so it's much harder. And through that, I, I got this collaboration with the national university of Singapore who uh, helped out with that. And, but it was during this, to keep it simple, it was during this period, exploring various ideas. I, I, I deep down knew that I'm a builder. I mm. want to have, I am have, I have a lot of ambition as I want to have good, great impact through the world and was exploring various ideas. And through this period where I had, through Klarna, through consulting for various e-commerce sites, that's where the seed for the picked came about, where I had one foot in, in, in artificial intelligence, one foot in e-commerce. And you could see, for instance, the amazing uh, business cases and the impact Amazon has applying practically machine learning on their website. You, you, if, you, if you do research about Jeff Bezos, the, the founder, he has all of these Jeffisms, they're called, where He's constantly repeating himself with things he loves. And one of his Jeffisms is uh, how much product recommendations has impacted Amazon's business. Mm -hmm. uh, these others also bought related products, which is they've given huge impact to their business, being able to help customers find what they're looking for, upselling, cross-selling all over the place. And, uh, Let's keep it short here, but uh, if you look at the rest of the industry and how they handle specifically product recommendations, it's nowhere near the level of mm -hmm. Amazon's. 
Uh, Amazon has huge, the rest of the industry don't have the scale to be able to get Amazon level mm. AI and product recommendations. So the thought of the pick was how could we create an organization which democratizes this basically by applying the latest research and I can go into what we specifically do to create recommendations which require less data since mm -hmm. data is the new oil in artificial intelligence yeah, it is. and through yeah. that uh, have all these impacts. So now, as you mentioned, we have uh, a lot of clients. We raised over 20 million US dollars, multiple founding rounds, over 35 employees. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a, a journey <laughs> to, to go. Yeah, it all. sounds like yeah. it's been one heck of a journey to get from, from where you were to where you are. Uh, such yeah. a, and I'm sure that people say this to you all the time, and I don't want to be patronizing at all, but at such a young age to achieve such a lot is quite extraordinary, I think. And um, now I, I have a son who's not too dissimilar to you in age. And I'm yeah, trying to, I'm nice. sitting here, Oliver, going, how would I feel if my child at 16 says, Dad, I'm dropping out of school and I'm, I'm going to Singapore, right? Um, how are your parents with all of this? Yeah, it's a good question. So my parents are incredibly open-minded and supportive. Um, mm -hmm. With that said, of course, it's not like you automatically say yes when you hear <laughs> something like that. Uh, so it was a process, I mm -hmm. would say. Um, but also they've, they've been very supportive that I should do what I kind of have a passion for and so forth. And, uh, through also like it was, I was, I'm in a thankful industry where there's more of a, there's always a plan B if let's say you don't, you want to start a company. Mm -hmm. And, uh, well, you could always be a software engineer or something like mm -hmm. that. Right. Yeah. Whilst in some other industries it's much less, like if you want to be an actor or something like that, it's much less kind of, I'm with uh, you. Uh, yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. Well, your parents sound amazing. Uh, and, um, yeah. I, to, to give you that freedom, um, at such a young age, I, I hats off to them and, and all power to them. So you, you're in this whole machine learning world and you you made reference to the fact that um obviously for amazon uh we we've all been on amazon's website buying something and there's a product recommendation and you kind of go oh i'll have a look at that and before you know yeah. it, you've purchased something that you never set out to purchase um and occasionally i you, you do sit there and go how in the world did amazon know that that would be a good product to show me. What is it? Um, is it witchcraft? Is it just? <laughs> is it just luck? Uh, or was there something a bit more intentional behind yeah. it? And so, this is where you say they've got these really clever algorithms with machine learning, mm -hmm. right? Yes. So I can't. Ex you know, I, I haven't worked at Amazon. I haven't like looked into intellectual property or anything like that. But there are ways you, uh, I've heard sources from various places and so forth. And I kind of know what the state of the art in terms mm. of the algorithms 
powering, let's say, YouTube's recommendation engine and so forth. Uh, and I, I think, so they have many variants and it's a huge company, but at its core, Amazon's recommendation engine is very simple, mm -hmm. actually, in since, but what they are really good at utilizing is their huge quantities of data, mm -hmm. user behavior data specifically, and the fact that they have a lot of recurring users, so they always come back. So you can then start to see patterns where, okay, this kind of user who bought this product tends to buy these products. That's yeah. that kind of logic is the core of Amazon's recommendation engine. And then they just extrapolated based on mm -hmm. that with their insane quantities of data they have. They, if you're a, let's say, nor, a typical merchant, well, you don't have products across every possible category, right? Mm -hmm. They have like electronics, fashion, furniture, blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. You're probably a little bit niched. You probably don't have as recurring users constantly buying something at least every month, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, and then they're their biggest e-commerce site in the world. So that's kind of what you're standing up against. So if you're a normal e-commerce merchant and you want to be on par or closer to Amazon, you have to find other data sources than only this user behavior data. People who bought this also bought that. Uh, and that's what we've been really focused on doing. So what we also incorporate into our recommendation engines we serve to our customers is for, uh, also the product information. So uh, the product information uh, is, of course, incredibly useful when you recommend a product, if you go to a physical retail store and ask someone for advice there, that's like an essential part of a kind of salesperson there giving you advice, but almost all existing recommender systems ignore that. Mm -hmm. And what, what we can do is we can apply incredibly smart image recognition algorithms, understanding subtle patterns, which a few years ago was impossible which is now possible. So let's say it's uh, furniture. Well, you can see the subtle patterns. Oh, this correlates to Scandinavian design, or this is probably mm -hmm. a little bit more upper end, like these subtle patterns, and then also understanding all the textual data behind the products. And when you combine it with the user data they have, well, it turns out you have really good results. and. We, we are pretty confident in showing this. So we've mm -hmm. always had this approach where the first two months you used to pick, you can always kick us out. So you can see that it works live on the mm -hmm. site and then decide uh, from there. So you've got this system then that um, doesn't need the quantities of, because this has been the problem with machine learning for a long time. And I think uh, it's, we've had, we've talked about this a little bit on the show in the past. It, AI, machine learning have been inaccessible for a lot of people because we just don't have the data set. And my yeah. understanding with um, certainly in the early days was machine learning needed insane levels of data. I mean, you needed supercomputers just to process the, the data. Yeah, that's I mean, still the case. That's still the case. It's like 
if you Google uh, uh, open AI uh, image generation, for instance, mm. there are these insane uh, artificial intelligence models, which spit out like photorealistic images where you can just write a prompt of, let's say, uh, a teddy bear on the moon riding a horse. Like that sounds weird. And you can literally paint a photorealistic image of that. So like it's really developing, but it still needs insane quantities of data. And it's like millions of dollars just to train. Mm. I, I was interrupting you, but it's definitely true still today, I, I would say. Yeah. So, I mean, I've, is this where you, um... I, you know, I, you, you kind of hear the stories like, so you, you raise 20 million in funding and you kind of go, well, where do you spend that 20 million? Does a lot of it go into then analyzing data? It's just sheer, just get data in and let's find some patterns in there. Yeah, um, still goes mostly to headcount right now. And uh, mm -hmm. we definitely have more server costs than the typical SaaS business uh, due to kind of having to deal with a lot of data um, and so forth. Uh, but, uh, and, and you're right about the fact that a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, companies try to be on the forefront. Okay. AI machine learning is really trending right now. We, we need to get ourselves some AI, right? Like in mm -hmm. the early times, we need to get ourselves on internet. You know, mm -hmm. I, I don't know what it does, but should probably get it. And, uh, uh usually it doesn't go that well if you're not kind of explicit about it since mm -hmm. if you try to use some state-of-the-art model well it requires huge quantities of data which you don't have mm -hmm. whilst probably for most e-commerce merchants what's extre still extremely high leverage for you is being data-driven and starting from there having a core foundation where you can measure things and have quick feedback loops where I have a hypothesis, I can actually measure, change something, measure it, mm -hmm. and then go through the cycle pretty quickly. Uh, that's probably where I would start. Then there mm -hmm. are third party services like the Pict where you can like plug and play and really get impact through that. But that's, there's so many things you have to handle as an e-commerce merchant. So like I, I would start there and then, mm -hmm. yeah, there, there are some, AI things, machine learning things, which are probably not as complex, but you know, there's some, some simple algorithms, which require less data, which you can still, uh, get use of. But I would start with kind of just, how can we be data driven and mm -hmm. shorten the feedback loops between having a hypothesis, measuring it and make, making a change and then measuring the impact. Measuring the that. And so. With um, something like Depict, then, um, I, what I'm picking up is actually now machine learning um, AI is at a place where if you've got significant quantities of data, great. But if you don't, we can still work with that. Am, am, yeah. I, am, I, is that, am I understanding exactly, that right? Exactly. And that's especially where Depict comes in. Uh, mm. If you don't have, let's say this is a great example. Let's say you launch a totally new product collection uh, and you, so what traditionally you would do from a product recommendation perspective in the recommendation related products bar, 
is that you would look at the historical purchases of a product mm -hmm. and say people bought this, also bought that. Well, you, you just launched a new collection. You have all these campaigns, all this kind of marketing, getting a lot of traffic to these products, but there's no historical data. People bought this, also bought that. Well, no one really bought it yeah. before. So what are you going to do? Well, with the picked, we, we understand the product as well. So there's a lot, a lot of context that in the same way a shopper would utilize and recommend a uh, in-store clerk would utilize when recommending yeah. products we, we, we can still do. And so that's a clear example where the kind of lack of data or cold start problem is a big example. Another example is let's say you have black Friday, uh, you have a lot of campaigns all over the place and, uh, the, the, the user behavior on your site is drastically different than outside of black Friday. Mm -hmm. uh, if your recommendation engine learns from that behavior and kind of tries to copy it, oh, people buy this product and this product a lot, but actually it's due to the fact that they have like a 90% discount or something. Mm -hmm. Doing that after Black Friday is a really stupid idea. <laughs> so it comes to this problem again, right? So yeah, um, yeah. So how much? I don't know if you can answer this. How much data do I need to have reasonably to get started? Like if I was starting um, a new product range, that's fine. But mm -hmm. I, you, you, there's an assumption there that I've got a website that's already trading yeah. and has already sold product. Um, I'm I'm starting from zero today. I've got no no track record at what point does ai start to make sense mm. to me yeah so i would start with okay you don't have any data then i would implicitly assume you don't have that much traffic mm -hmm. on your site well if you don't have that much traffic then you can't really work as data driven as you would want to mm -hmm. since you, you you need to have ways to measure your hypothesis and see how it impacts the customer. You need to have significant amount of data, sufficiently amount, sufficient amount of data so you can see statistically significant mm -hmm. correlations between different behaviors. So there's some limit there where, where, and if you don't have any traffic, you should probably solve that issue before mm -hmm. maybe there's a marketing solution which uses AI, but I would look at what problem does this AI solution solve? And does it pro solve the problem I need to solve? I wouldn't ask, are you using AI? Oh, you say yeah, that then I should use it. You, you should ask, mm. what problem are you solving? How well are you solving the problem? Is it the problem I want to solve? And, and uh, yeah, if it turns out that you want to increase, you have sufficient amount of data to have a sense of that, well, we want to increase our conversion rate, average order value. Let's say you have, uh, a lot of products in your warehouse which aren't selling and they're just lying there uh, or you have some specific business objective you want to optimize for since recommendation engines can help uh, pushing certain products mm -hmm. in certain categories to a further extent then i would look at uh, look at applying a recommendation engine and then see see what, what the recommendation engine costs and how much you get out of it and see the ROI multiple there. 
the Pix is a little bit more of a premium provider today since we get so many requests to work with us and mm. we don't have time to work with, with everyone. Uh, so that's on the traffic part, it's a little bit of a ramble. But then there, another important aspect is also how many SKUs or products you have on your site. Mm -hmm. So um, if you only have like 30 product SKUs or whatever, then it's quite easy as finding the products you want. Uh, mm -hmm. But let's say it's uh, over 300 or even 1,000. Well, suddenly you really need to aid the customer yeah. in getting a sense of what you have in your product collection. So it's a, I guess if you want to get started out with it, you're looking at both your traffic and the number of SKUs that exactly. you have. Exactly, yeah. Um, and so that's got to be at a reasonable level before AI mm -hmm. makes sense for you. Exactly. Um, so several hundred SKUs and probably what a couple of thousand people at least visiting mm -hmm. your website, I'm thinking. So, and is it, is it, is it fair to say, Oliver, that the more data I have, the better my AI will be? Um, that tends to be the rule of thumb, but the pig really works to ensure that we can work with more sparse, with sparse data sets, which have less data. Uh, there's, for instance, we, for instance, work with some marketplaces. They have millions of SKUs. I think the mm. marketplace with the most SKUs has 16.8 million. Uh, <laughs> they have a ton of traffic. I assure you yeah. that. But yeah. a lot of SKUs have very few interactions. So there's mm. also the question like uh, inter amount of interactions per SKU. So we still, in those cases, have to work with low quantities of data. Uh, yeah, no, that's fair enough. <laughs> 1.6 or 16.8 million SKUs. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be a headache for somebody, right? <laughs> um, Someone's got to put those on the system. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We are just going to take a quick break. Listen from this week's show sponsors. And then I'm going to be right back with Oliver to carry on our conversation uh, about... AI and all things machine learning. Don't go anywhere. Hey there, are you a business owner? Here at Orion Digital, we know firsthand that running an e-commerce business can be really hard work. As the online space gets more competitive, it is becoming even more challenging to stay ahead of the curve. We totally get it. So we want to help you succeed by offering a wide range of services, from fulfillment, marketing, customer service, and even coaching and consulting, just so that you can do what matters most. Save yourself the time and the money and let us handle the day-to-day -day tasks. This way, you can run your business without having to worry about the boring stuff. So what do you say? Are we a good fit for each other? Come check us out at oriondigital.com and let us know what you think. So, Oliver, welcome back. Uh, we are talking about AI machine learning um, and how it can make a difference to e-commerce. So you've talked specifically about recommend what you call the recommendation engine, which actually sounds like something out of Star Wars, if I'm honest with you. This is a recommendation engine. It drives this spaceship over here. Mm -hmm. um, it's, a, it's a great phrase. Um, and so I understand that AI can 
be used to recommend products based on the traffic, based on behavior and past behavior and the data sets and so on and so forth. Where else do you see AI having a big impact uh, in e-commerce that we should be mm -hmm. thinking about? Yeah, uh, I would look, so I would look at three categories primarily. Uh, one is the space we are in, right? Like pro some sort of product discovery, personalization, yeah. product discovery. Uh, the picked, some people associate the picked with only being on the PDP product page, for instance, but no, we're, mm. we're across the whole buying experience, the landing page, uh, product detail page, uh, checkout, when you add something to the basket, you get upsell, cross-sell. So there's mm -hmm. a lot of areas we can you can be there. Um, and you can use product discovery for impacting not only like this general conversion rate, average order value, like top metrics, but you can go much more pinpointed as well with saying, for instance, oh, we have these higher margins products we want to push for this kind of product segment, customer segments. Well, you can do that through great product discovery. And you, mm. you can look at, at a lot of things like that. Then. I'm less. I'm. I have worked less within these areas, but I know for sure that there's a lot of impact there. Uh, first is logistics. Okay. Of course. Uh, yes. <laughs> Google logistics, artificial intelligence, Amazon, or uh, then then you you will find a lot of things. It's everything from how you optimize various routes, how you place all the products within the warehouses, um, there's a lot, a lot of optimization problems within logistics where, where mm. you can apply AI, so to say. Uh, and then there's also the aspect of uh, marketing or more quantified parts of the marketing. So where you have a lot of data where, well, there you can apply AI to some extent. Well, of course you have Facebook and Google ads. Those are extremely... Mm -hmm sophisticated artificial intelligence engines, but um, I, there, there's a lot of, I, 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 I'm less aware of the specific use cases there, but there's a lot of cool stuff you can do there uh, okay. for sure. It's interesting, isn't it? Uh, AI and marketing. I've seen a lot of things coming up recently on my Mm. Uh, on my social media feed, which is normally where you you know you see things yeah. in it first, and um, I've seen uh, AI copywriters. So mm -hmm. you know the the computer will write copy for you. Those are getting um, really good. Yeah, yeah, they are getting really good. Uh, scarily good, actually. It's quite fascinating yeah. to me how that how that all works. Um, I was uh, just before we were uh, on our recording, I was having lunch with a friend of mine who's a barrister. Um, okay. So a lawyer yeah. here in the UK, contracts barrister. But he, uh, like you, uh, has a really good understanding of machine learning and he's he's done all kinds of stuff at university in it. Um, quite how he ended up in law, I have no idea. But anyway, he, he's, a, he's, he's a machine learning guy and he's got some very expensive computers in one of the mm. rooms in his house where he's he's got stuff being churned out. And he's, he's doing AI um, to process uh, case history and legal cases to be able to, yeah. yeah to be able to fill in stuff uh, and do a lot of the sort of the the mundane work that a barrister has to do 
where he spends hours of time, this thing will just do it in obviously fractions of a second. And so he's he's having a bit of fun experimenting with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I've seen AI in law, I've seen it in copywriting, I've seen it in marketing, you know, where the claims are, you don't even have to do your own adverts anymore. This thing will just do the whole thing for you, describe to that service. Some of it, if I'm honest, feels a bit gimmicky, a mm-hmm. bit like someone's just got an idea and they've thrown the phrase machine learning or artificial yeah, intelligence in it. Uh, and really it's just them with an Excel spreadsheet somewhere in the background, mm-hmm. right? Um, how do I, I guess, how do I avoid the gimmicks? How do I avoid mm. the hype and the bluster and the, yeah. just the sheer and utter nonsense? and just focus on what is actually going to help me in my business. That's a great question. I I agree there's a lot of buzzwords around AI, uh, a ton of buzzwords around AI, and uh, many exploit that fact. But I'm not asking you to become an AI expert of any sort. I think being an AI expert and being a great operator of an e-commerce site doesn't necessarily correlate that much. So Mm -hmm. I would actually become really good at asking yourself, what problems do I need to solve? Mm -hmm. And does this solution actually solve this problem? You don't have to look at the inside of it necessarily. You can just look at, can I run an A-B test here? Can I see some sort of, you know, tricks around that where does this, what's the track record of this solution yeah. and solving my actual problem? And then don't care if it uses AI or not. Uh, simple solutions tend to be working uh, surprisingly well a lot of times. So that's, that's how I would think about it. Uh, then on a like more meta level, I really believe that in as for every year that comes state of the art within AI drastically develops and it's mm-hmm. developing exponentially. So I think in 10 years or much less than that, the average e-commerce buying experience will be drastically evolved to the extent that let's say I'm buying. I don't know, groceries, uh, we have some of these 10 minute grocery delivery apps as customers. Well, I, I believe that at some point I'm just opening my app and the basket is already filled in, it knows what I want. You know, <laughs> I buy, I'm so uh, pre- predictable in my like mm. grocery purchases. Oh, it's called oh, milk, yeah, avocados, toilet paper, whatever looks good, buy, right? Then within fashion, let's say, uh, even though uh, an AI engine actually knows what you want, maybe you shouldn't have the same transactional experience as with groceries within fashion. Mm. It will be very interesting to see how the user experience will look when the AI knows what you want, but but shoppers don't want to have the sense that it already knows what you want, right? Uh, <laughs> it's a real mean. delicate balance, right? Yeah, uh, some some like illusion of choice, and 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 it's scary. It's scary, you know. It's scary the kind of negative side effects of this mm-hmm. on society 
And I think that's I want to pick to be a kind of thought leader in that as we grow. I, I believe that just because it has bad, it will have bad effects on society, you shouldn't run away. Well, you should be part of it and ensure that it's done in the best possible way uh, since it's going to happen. So uh, that's on a more meta level. But right now, if you want to grow your e-commerce business, I will focus on the fundamentals and um, a lot of AI solutions out there uh, are much more stupid than you think. Yeah. <laughs> That's, what do you mean by that? Why, why would you say they're much more stupid than you think? Well, they, they as you said, they have some Excel, some equivalent of an Excel spreadsheet somewhere and uh, they do uh, uh, simple linear correlations, et cetera, et cetera. To, to, that, that wouldn't feel as much of, as AI. And mm. it's kind of a subjective term of when you call something AI or not. Uh, yeah. If it turns out that they use an Excel sheet and it really solves your problem well, well, I would be happy using that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. That's really interesting. It's really interesting. So, I mean, that's where you, uh, I suppose you see the future of AI and e-commerce going is it's going to be much more, I, uh, you feel like you've got a choice, but really we know what the choices you're going to make. Yeah, it's interesting where that evolves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. yeah that's, that's going to be clever. Where do you where do you see e-commerce generally going in the future? Uh, okay, so there's multiple timelines here, right? So uh, it's I, I I would double down on what I previously said around kind of on the, on the longer term timescales. Mm. I I really believe that like at the end of the day, when you build a core engine which knows what the customer wants and you can hopefully take into account you know okay how much does this customer care about sustainability how much does this customer care about you know those things which aren't necessarily as flagged in in, in today's shopping experience uh, can be taken account I, i think that will be one of the most pivotal things. The timeline for that, I'm less less sure about. Um, something I see on a very very short term basis uh, is that um, e-commerce website, e-commerce merchants lack the IT resources for them to really, uh, you know, move as fast as they should. Mm-hmm. So a lot of you know, when you want to change, when you have a hypothesis on how you want to shape something, IT is usually involved in some way or another. And if you don't have the foundation or the expertise in-house to make those changes really quickly, then you're kind of locked and yeah. you, you can't move as fast as you want. So uh, I hope that e-commerce is moving towards kind of building a better foundation on, on that and in the future. Yeah, that's a really fair point. I kind of see myself the, um, I I almost wonder, because let's say, I mean, Amazon by far is the biggest e-commerce platform, mm-hmm. right, uh, in terms of transactional. One of the other biggest platforms, let's say, is Shopify. Right? For sure, yeah. And so you've got a lot of sites who use Shopify, um, I'm curious to see if Shopify and their development are going to build in AI features into that platform 
um, mm. so that they so that if I launch a website on Shopify, yeah, it starts from day one analyzing data and helping me build pictures as I go along. Um, I've yet to see an e-commerce pl- I, I I see you know you've got Depict for example, mm-hmm. which plugs into say a Shopify site or two other websites. Um, I just wonder whether at some point in the future that somebody's going to write a really clever. Uh, platform that understands e-commerce, that understands AI, that understands, mm. you know, all the different elements that make up e-commerce and not just one aspect of it or one bit of it. Um, so everything from shipping to, to whatever. Mm. And I'm, I'm, I'm really curious, will there become like this super AI platform that really transforms how e-commerce is done? I don't know. It's in effect like Amazon going, here, here's my platform set yeah. up your website with this yeah. right I, I i really hope that that it will happen uh doing like being being great at everything is hard mm-hmm. <laughs> especially when you go into very like technical niche things which requires building up an the organization and so forth so my impression based on the interactions i've had around shopify is that they really want to emphasize the ecosystem around Mm -hmm. Shopify and the marketplace they have and create uh, an environment where if you are, if you are an AI researcher, an an engineer, and you have this great hypothesis for this new, new thing, which could work for e-commerce merchants, instead of having to create all these integrations to all these different platforms, et cetera, et cetera. You could just, in a very simple manner, create this algorithm or simple service. And through Mm -hmm. Shopify, it could be be this multiplier effect where Mm -hmm. other merchants can see the track record of that app and so forth. So uh, I hope that that will happen. Uh, And and my, my, my sense of... Shopify strategy right now is they want to welcome players like the picked to kind of help on mm. those things which they necessarily don't have the focus to really nail down right now. Yeah, that sounds fascinating. I am watching and waiting with bated breath because I, I, I was there when e-commerce was born and I'm yeah. it was very, very simple. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now it seems very, very, uh, it's, you know, uh, extremely smart young people like yourself are taking over in ways that no one ever dreamed possible 10 years ago. So um, it's brilliant to see and, 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 and brilliant to chat to you. Oliver, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. How do people reach you? How do they connect with you if they, if they want to yeah, do so? Thank you. So you can reach me at oliver.edholm at the pic.ai. I think that's the easiest one. So it's oliver.edholm. Mm-hmm. at the pic.ai uh, then I'm on LinkedIn if you search for Oliver at home there uh, we can also chat through there I think that's the easiest one no that's great and we will of course put the links to Oliver his LinkedIn and his email in the show notes so you can get hold of him uh, if you are subscribed to the show notes uh, then we they'll all be there and um, reach out to Oliver with your questions uh, it's gonna and watch watch what uh, the pick does because I'm really intrigued by how they're going to motor forward on this. Uh, Oliver, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate you being here. It's been honestly a real treat. Thank you. So there you have it.
<laughs> I'm still mesmerized by this conversation. Uh, such an incredible story, isn't it? Uh, huge thanks again to Oliver for joining me today. Uh, and also, let me give another big shout out to today's show sponsor, the e-commerce cohort. Do head over to ecommercecohort.com for more information about this new type of community that you can join. Be sure to also subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from because we've got some great conversations lined up and I don't want you to miss any of them. And in case no one has told you today, you, my friend, are awesome. Utterly awesome. It's a burden we all have to bear. It's just the way it is. Now, the e-commerce podcast is produced by Orion Media. You can find our entire archive of episodes on your favorite podcast app. The team that makes this show possible is Sadaf Bain on Josh Catchpole, Estella Robin, and Tim Johnson. Our theme song has been written by me and my son, Josh Edmondson. Uh, people ask me about this. To be fair, I wrote a very basic melody and Josh did everything else. So I should probably give him more credit. Uh, if you would like to read the transcript or show notes, head over to the website ecommercepodcast.net where you can also sign up for our newsletter. That's it from me. Thank you so much for joining me. And I hope you have a fantastic week. I will see you next time. Bye for now.